Hello, a little word of warning that this podcast contains swears and use of explicit sexual language. Therefore, it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18 or anyone who thinks an adult cinematic experience involves a tub of popcorn with a hole in the bottom. Welcome back to Smut Drop. This is your weekly roundup to the more eccentric side of sex and relationships from metro.co.uk. I'm Miranda Kane, and on this week's show, I'll be looking at why some people have a used underwear fetish, talking about making adult films with Erica Lust, and seeing what you said when I asked our listeners for what kinky confessionals they would love to see made into a porno. If you like what you hear, then please rate, review or at least subscribe wherever you get your finest of podcasts. And I hope you're ready because I'm about to turn up the lights, camera, action! Hello, 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 dear listener. Okay, quick question. Do you have a used underwear fetish? You know what this is, okay? You know it's where someone gets turned on by used underwear. I used to get loads of people who were interested in buying my used tights, my used knickers, even socks. <laughs> but do you know why people pine for your pants? Well, Melissa Cook, resident sex therapist at Sophia Gray, which just so happens to be a used underwear site where people can buy and sell them, says that this is a more common fetish than people might think. When someone has a fetish associated with worn underwear, they usually fantasise over what has been done while someone was wearing it. As well as this, individuals will typically experience a sexual urge because of the unusual nature of the fetish. The underwear will also likely contain an odour which includes pheromones and can add to the sexual excitement. God, this is even sounding quite nice to me. Melissa has seen people request certain types of used underwear worn in specific contexts, such as knickers worn at work or even at the gym. Now, research hasn't been able to agree upon why some people develop a used underwear fetish, but a study at the BMJ says any fetishism can originate in childhood, and others suggest people are simply born with it. Other studies determine that this type of fetish to the thrill and unusual nature of it. There isn't a clear conclusion, but one thing is for sure. Used underwear fetishes are increasingly becoming more common. An Italian study of 5,000 individuals from 381 fetish discussion groups found that 12% had an underwear fetish. And yeah, maybe now there are specific sites for buying and selling used underwear, so maybe that's why the fetish has become a bit more common. And of course, it doesn't have to be some dirty little secret. Fetishes, including used underwear fetishes, can be incorporated into a healthy relationship, including long distance relationships. Yeah, like we live in a world of long distance relationships now. So it's not uncommon for couples to send worn underwear back and forth in order to feel closer to their partner. So whether it's for solo pleasure or to enjoy with a partner, used underwear fetishes are enjoyed by many. But before you go raiding the neighbourhood washing lines, 
Make sure you ask permission first, yeah? (laughs) If you want to know more about it, then head to the article, Maybe He's Born With It, Why Some People Have a Used Underwear Fetish at metro.co.uk. But obviously not before you've listened to my fabulous chat with this week's guest. Ladies and gentlemen, gays and nays, as you're listening to a sex and relationship podcast, I'm certain that you're the open-minded sort. But what about when it comes to what you're watching? Fortunately, this week's guest is a filmmaker and writer who has made a name for herself in the world of adult entertainment by creating films that focus on female pleasure and empowerment. Here to chat to me about the wonderful world of ethical porn, it is the one, the only, finally, Erica last hello erica hello oh my god that was such a impactful presentation (laughs) you wait till you see the powerpoint i am a big fan (laughs) it is so great to have you every time we speak to someone about ethical porn your name always comes up and it's no wonder because you you are at the forefront of ethical porn well i've been doing it for 20 years now wow that is absolutely i mean where did you start let's go right back to the beginning because it feels like ethical porn is quite a new thing so 20 years ago you must have been like inventing it Well, I I guess for me, it really started as something that I wanted myself. I was, you know, interested in pornography. I was checking porn out and I always felt that I had a really hard time finding something that worked for me. Uh, I wanted to watch something that was aesthetically, cinematographically interesting. I wanted to watch something where women were people and not just some kind of sex toys for men's pleasure, you know. I wanted to watch something that that felt engaging and interesting and that did turn on my body, but that didn't make me feel like I was watching something I couldn't relate to at all. And I think that that was really what happened when I started to watch porn. I I was struggling with it. And I felt, I felt like my male friends were not struggling with it. They were just enjoying it, having a really good time watching porn, uh, getting their pleasure out of it. And it seemed to me like something was kind of missing out. So for me, uh, honestly, it's, it didn't really start on, on, on an ethical thought. It started on a kind of female gaze identifying uh, how can I find something that has to do with you know female pleasure that was what I was looking for and in the beginning you know I I was talking quite a lot about porn for women or porn by women or feminist porn because that was kind of the the angle you know that I came from and also from from the education that I had had I had studied political science gender studies and and for me that was the way I kind of connected with with this new porn that I I I started to find little by little you know I found a book by a film professor 
called Linda Williams from Berkeley. And uh, she was, I think, the first voice that kind of spoke to me. And I read her book and it talked about, about pornography. And I realized that porn is what we make, you know, and that most people who had made porn up until that point were men. That was the reality. And they had made a product that they wanted to watch for their gaze, etc. And then uh, through that book, I came in contact with, with a female porn director called Candida Royale. And she started already in, in the 80s to make porn fought for women. And when I watched her porn the first time, I connected to it and I felt, this is it. This is the difference. Now I understand what is happening to me because she was presenting stories and narratives and characters that made sense. And I, I loved that initiative, but then I wanted, I wanted it to be maybe a little, a little more for my generation, a little more kind of modern and, and uh, cinematographic, etc. Uh, and that's kind of how it all started. It's such a journey because just to have this idea and just to go, well, I'm not seeing what I want, so therefore I'm going to make it. And it's such a tough thing. I think it's, I know it sounds weird, but I think it's one of those things that we just don't realise we can do. We can do that for ourselves. But so how did you go about it? How did you start? Did you start getting money together, get some mates around? <laughs> it actually, it was a long journey from from having the, the first thoughts and the idea to being able to actually make it. Uh, as I said, I had I had been studying political science, gender studies. I loved film, but it was not something I had studied. So I signed myself up to film school, started to learn a little about how to make films. Uh, and uh, I uh, had an opportunity to make a short film. And that was really the moment where I kind of got back to these ideas and I sat down and I wrote a little script and I gathered money, obviously, to be able to shoot it. Uh, and I started to contact people that I had, you know, heard of uh, to try to find, you know, the cast that I needed. And it was really, really hard in the beginning. I contacted an agency, but then I realized that it didn't really work for me the way they used to work because they were like, you know, booking models somehow. They were showing pictures and they told me, who do you want? What day do you need them? Uh, how many hours, etc." And I said, nah, that's not really in a way I want to make it you know I, I I kind of need to speak to these people I need to do a proper casting process I need to to understand who they are what kind of sexuality they have what they like if this is a fit for them or not I need to talk to them to figure out with who would they like to you know film this uh, do they have any favorite uh, co-partners or you know colleagues etc that they would like and that's actually kind of how it started I found uh, my first uh, my first performer, my first actress, and she helped me to find uh, the guy for that film and, uh, and, and, and still today when I look back at that first film I made in 2004 called The Good Girl um, 
it lacks some technical aspects, <laughs> some cinematographic aspects, definitely, you know, you can definitely see that it's the first film by someone, but it has the soul, it has the energy, it has the spirit, and they had really, really good sex, and that shines through. And I think that 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 when we when we talk about about pornography, it's always, always, always essential that the performers connect, that they want to have sex together, that they want to do that film. If that's not the case, it will never be, you know, good. Do you get any pushback because this because it's not only ethical in the way that it's sold and the performers get paid and it's you know it, but it's ethical as in I love what you're saying about finding actors who can also tell you who what they want and you know it's not just oh we're gonna film a scene about this so here's your money and off you go it's like no let's work with you but do you get any pushback from like the more traditional like you know normal porn <laughs> the normal the, porn. No <laughs> the normal porn has advanced a lot uh, when I look back at you know when I was growing up and what I was watching etc uh, and then when I look back at the beginning of my career when I started to to you know to understand a little how the porn world the porn industry worked etc I, I, I did feel that there was lots of things to improve in the working process, in how they worked with performers, in, you know, the, the kind of the strategy of making safer sets, safer working conditions and, and ambience, etc. The adult industry today is much more professional than it was back then. The many, the most of the kind of big companies, uh, even in the mainstream adult world, they have uh, bills of rights. They have, you know, safer sets practices in place. The way they work with performers, etc. Uh, so I do believe somehow that you know when when all the kind of independent porn creators came around, you know, ten years ago when when we started to talk more about ethical porn and what it was, etc. I believe that we have had a huge impact on the mainstream industry and that it's uh, an industry that works much better today than it used to do back then. Then said that, it's also true that if you go online on all the free tube sites, you will definitely see porn without paying for it, which I don't think is an ethical practice because I do believe that if we as consumer want our porn to be ethical in the whole, in the construction process of it, on how we are making it, then we have to be responsible as consumers and pay for it. How otherwise are the performers gonna be able to earn money out of this? How are the companies gonna be able to put in practice these safer practices, etc.? So uh, that is a reality, and it's also true 
that lots of the, 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 the kind of mainstream porn industry, they don't care particularly about the female gaze. They don't care particularly about diversity. They don't care that much about how they are, you know, representing people. But what they do is, is basically just show the sex. And I think that what most of the kind of independent adult film creators are doing is using, uh, you know, this 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 kind of ethical mindset in struggling to represent people in the best possible way, to have all the performers involved in the process, uh, to make sure that we are not. We are not fetishizing on who people are or on their kind of primal, uh, you know, on their age or on their body types or on their race or ethnicity mm. or whatever it is, you know. Uh, but the representation is much cleaner. And I do believe that this is an industry that really, really, really needs women. Uh, and not only women, but also lots of LGBTQI plus folks of all, you know, <laughs> backgrounds and shapes and, and kind of all the others. Because the ones who have the opportunity to, you know, to show us their erotic minds and what they find sexy, it's definitely the middle-aged white cis hetero men they are the mm. ones who have been running the porn industry but uh, new voices are out there different small companies creators performers who are making uh, what we might call ethical porn or feminist porn or artistic porn or independent porn or whatever kind of etiquette we want to put on it right that they want to create a, a safe space as possible, that they are aware that it's difficult to do that, that as a director or producer, you have to have uh, strategies in place. For example, working with intimacy coordinators that can connect directly with the performers. So we 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 try to balance the, the kind of the power balance that always will exist on any set, whether it's ethical or not. So first, there are so many things in that. <laughs> I have so many questions. Number one, so you have intimacy coordinators even on a porn set? Of course. We had it long before the, the mainstream. You had it before it was cool. Because it is a situation where you need to make sure that the performers have someone they can go to, they can talk to. Because, you know, on any film set, I'm not only talking about porn here, I'm talking in regular about the film set. It's a stressful ambient. It's an ambient full of power dynamics. It's, you know, you, you will always have a production company, a producer, a director who wants to get the movie out there. Yeah, and you don't want to feel 
this is a terrible way to put it, but you don't want to feel like, oh, if I don't want to do that, then I'm causing trouble. It's You want to have that representation, someone to represent you and be on your side and be able to filter through without anyone feeling anxious about anything and know that they can say something there will be people who are anxious there Mm. will you know Mm. these things will arise so i think that the only way of really being ethical is understanding that and trying to manage it as well as possible and that means you know that means a a thorough pre-production where you are in conversation with all the performers, where they are aware of the scripts, of what's going to happen, of who they're going to work with, of what money is involved, what paperwork is involved, of, you know, organizing travels and hotels and, you know, transportations and food and diets and all of that. It also contains, you know, a a great ambient at set as possible, you know, where they know the day, how it's going to work out hour by hour, what what they are expected to do, uh, who they are expected to work with, etc. And then it also contains aftercare where you check in again, because sometimes things don't go the way you want them to go, etc. And I think that here, what, what we really are talking about is the awareness of all of this, is having, you know, your production team involved in this process, taking care, knowing that 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 we are all trying to do as as good as we can. Best fun you can have without your clothes on. What I love is basically that in order to create great porn, you need great admin. I think that is a lesson we can we can all learn. <laughs> Just picking up on something you were saying earlier um, about all the different labels, because I I kind of noticed like we talk about ethical porn. What is what is the the preferred phrase for you? I I really like independent adult cinema oh, because yes. kind of that is for adults. Uh, it's independent uh, and it's cinematic because that is one of the biggest differences I think for anyone if they watch my films what they will be struck by is is the powerful images that they will see how beautiful these films are etc and then to kind of you know it's not only the kind of porn where you see a couple on a sofa having sex but you hear in my films you know you get to understand who these characters are what they are about why they are into each other there's a context there's a situation there's some kind of of narrative that kind of brings you in as audience and then and then what I want to do as a filmmaker is kind of have you you know uh, have you following us have you you know uh, seeing this whole kind of erotic journey of my character and, and, and what's happening to them and I think that that is really really beautiful uh, and I think that cinema has this fantastic possibility of uh, you know telling us stories and emphasizing with people and even outside our own sexuality sometimes because some people are very you know when they watch porn they tend to watch the same kind of porn all the time uh, they are into something and then they go for that but I actually think that porn as a genre really can help us to to expand our sexuality, to understand better our own sexuality and other people and how they relate to each other and how they communicate. Because I feel that we have so, we have such big, you know, lacks 
so we are lacking kind of information and education when it comes to to sex and uh, we have a responsibility to kind of re-educate ourselves i i think you're i think independent adult cinema i think your independent adult cinema should be on the sex education syllabus because we it's so because we just don't have anything someone asked me the other day well what do you classify as as ethical porn and it's like is it just oh you pay for it and the actors get paid but when you look at what you're producing you're producing things that are inclusive you've got a range of body sizes a range of ages a range of ability a range of skin tone it's it's about that inclusivity and representation and being able to see yourself on screen having a lovely time with other people i do believe that it's a lot about representation and participation because it's also who's behind the cameras here and if you look at our film crews etc you will definitely see that it's an ambient uh, that is uh, quite different from most film sets because still today uh, it is a man's world you know most directors are men most you know, uh, crew members who are doing technical jobs, you know, camera operators, uh, gaffers, uh, mm. best boys, etc. I mean, they, they, there's lots and lots of men on film sets. And if you would come and visit my film set, you would look around and go like, oh my God, this is a, a, a woman's world, you know? <laughs> There's so much women on on my film sets and I think that that makes a huge difference. I would visit your film set at the drop of a hat, Erica. Absolutely sold. And I love this because I saw this on your website, ex-confessions, crowdsourced porn. <laughs> that sounds amazing. What kind of stories have you had in? Oh, I mean, there's all kind of stories, but but what strikes me the most is almost the writing, you know, because people are sending in so great confessions, but the writing, you know, how they phrase things, the references, how they, you know, express themselves, uh, amazing, amazing stories. Uh, I just I just filmed uh, last week, and there's one that is really really cool that is told from a butt plugs perspective so it's you know like a toy story oh oh that's brilliant oh i'm i'm so worried about buzz and woody now that gives them a totally different perspective <laughs> i'll send it to you when it's finished in yes. production at the moment and one part of it is going to be animated. Another part is the, the reality, the images that we filmed. Uh, no, I think it's going to be a fantastic film. No, but we have so many amazing films over there. You know, there's anything from a, a Drag King uh, workshop to, you know, to... Uh, a film I, I made last year called Siren Song that I filmed in a swimming pool and then in a studio where I made it look like they were having sex in the swimming pool with the light. And uh, I, I mean, there are, you know, 
all of them are so so different there's something for anyone if you like dance i love dance i have lots of films like with you know concepts like tango or twerking or or modern dance in different styles and um all sorts and you were working with the fabulous stoyer i saw on your instagram she was a guest director guest writer it just i mean it's so it's so amazing to be bringing all these people together but i think one of the things that i can imagine that people are thinking about when they're looking at say your website um, or one of the films, and they're just hovering over the buy button. What is your big pitch to them? If you want to get someone into watching adult independent cinema rather than getting on one of the free tubes, what is your big elevator pitch? I, I mean, I would say it's going to make your sex life better because that's what I honestly believe, you know. I think that 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 we, many people, you know, we live in a really busy world. Uh, so much of the content that we are watching, or the visual content out there on the just regular platforms, you know, the Netflix and the HBO, etc. It's so much violence. I'm so tired of it. I don't want to watch violence. I don't want to watch women getting, you know, kidnapped and, and raped and, and killed. And I'm not interested in it. I want to watch pleasure. I want to watch people having a really, really good time. I think that your life will be so much more positive and so much better. You know, it's like a film a day. Keep the doctor away. <laughs> That's brilliant. I love that. And also very true. You're quite right. Let's let's enjoy some pleasure. Oh, I have so enjoyed chatting with you, Erica. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, if people want to find more information, where can they get hold of you? Well, come on to ericalast.com. That's Erica with a K. But come on, come on, watch some trailers, watch some films, you know, sign up to the newsletter so you see what is coming up and, and write your confessions. Maybe they end up being films, you know, and I, I, I just see, you know, when we make films from, you know, that from confessions that people have written, you know, they get all, all nervous. Sometimes when I write to them and I say like, hey, I picked your confession, I'm going to make a film. They go, whoa, wait, wait, Erica, but can you change... Because don't put that he was in Paris. Put Madrid or something. Because I don't want anyone to know that he was in Paris. I would love to sift through that mailbag. Oh, my God. Have there ever been any that you would love to do, but but you just, like, they're just going to be too much of a bigger budget or they're just going to be, it's too difficult to, to get the right... Uh, the right things necessary. Are there any ones that just haven't made it, but you're hoping will do one day? I am writing on a script at this moment for for a bigger project, actually, uh, because I know I don't only do the confessions. I only I also do kind of serious and feature films. We have another platform also called LastCinema.com where these projects are going, uh, but you can see everything on EricaLast.com, and I I love this bigger project also because they give you an opportunity to get deeper into the stories to really you know go with the characters etc i made one uh, a few years ago called safe word that is very interesting for people who are interested in bdsm and want to kind of understand what happens 
in uh, you know character's life when she gets interested in this etc and then there's you know different chapters so you can kind of follow the storyline and I'm uh, I love I you know I'm a very active person I I love art I love sport I love cinema I love all of it so now I I I, I really really want to make this film uh, that we just started to work on uh, it's probably going to be shot uh, by the end of the year with a big female basketball team. Oh, oh amazing. <laughs> because, I mean, you know, you find the, the, the performers, the main characters, etc. But then if you want, you know, people in the audience, I made I made another film called The Wedding, where I, you know, had 70 extras walking around in the in the venue where we were, you know, showing the, the wedding for a whole week. They had to dress the same every day, you know, walk around in the same space because I wanted it to look like a real wedding. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's just, that is definitely something that hasn't occurred to me when it comes to adult entertainment, uh, what you need to do with the extras for a week. That is, that is something that <laughs> I will now be looking out. I, I know that's a quality bit of adult cinema when they've sorted out the extras and they... <laughs> <laughs> They've got them wearing the right thing every day. <laughs> oh, Erica, I could chat to you for ages. This is so fascinating. But thank you so much for joining us on Smut Drop. Um, and yes, if people want to find you, it's ericalust.com. Thank you so much. I have once again delved into my mighty fun bags. Last week, I asked you for your ideas for bespoke porn and what kinky confessionals you would like to see immortalised on the big screen for everyone to see. Well, uh, someone who wishes to remain anonymous, they emailed to say if I could have any moment made into a porn, it would definitely involve a lot of my mates' mums from when I was a teenager. <laughs> I'm not going to pay for it because my teenage brain definitely oversexualized the offer of the occasional hobnob. Uh, <laughs> oh, dear, I suspect you're not alone. Uh, Coral, she says on Instagram, I'd immortalise the time a man paid me five grand to meet him at Waterloo and kick him in the balls. Then I'd have it forever for posterity. I agree with you there. I would have it just so I could keep showing my friends and say, look, look, this is what I do for money. <laughs> I would definitely pay to see that as well. Uh, and of course, we got the old typical Twitter comment. Why do I need to request hot people having sex when I can just watch Love Island? Yes, woe betide having a bit of imagination. Uh, Joe on Insta, she slid into my DMs and said, I wrote this for your orgasm stories but decided I'd like to immortalise it in film instead. Okay, Joe, what have you got? I would love to see a porno of the time a random bloke went down on me during an eclipse party and I orgasmed just as the sky blacked out. Ugh, she says spiritual, erotic and a once-in-a-lifetime event unless the kids fuck off early. <laughs> 
I can imagine it. We see one of those eclipse parties down on the sands in Thailand, some random bloke with dreadlocks, and you just think, yeah, here we go. Now you're all grown up, and that is well in the past. No wonder you'd want to see that on film. Yep. And you know what? I bet even though the guy might not have seen the eclipse himself, He definitely had a great time anyway. Next week, I want to hear your stories of when kids have ruined things. Have they walked in at the wrong time? Let your sex secret loose. You can contact me at Instagram. I'm that Miranda Kane, where you can slide into my DMs. Or you can email smutdrop at metro.co.uk. I've been Miranda Kane. Smut Drop was produced by Pineapple Audio Production for metro.co.uk. If you are enjoying this weekly feed bag of filth, please leave me a nice review. And in the meantime, I'll be back to prick up your ears next week. And remember, don't do anything I wouldn't do. But if you do, then name it after me. Hold up. 